0: Hello. Welcome to X to the Zenium.
1: I hope you are having a good day, a good evening, a good morning, or whatever time zone you are in. I hope it is jolly.
0: It is jolly. Wow, uh-huh. that's a, I wasn't expecting that one. I, I like
1: to get the zingers you out like, there. Is, <laughs> put
0: them in um,
1: my retro language. It's something. What era were you born in, Miss?
0: <laughs> so we have taken a three-week little break.
1: But because of a really big awesome deal.
0: Well, I I mean yeah, I went to Greece for two weeks and uh, (laughs) I definitely think that I'm going to change my life and maybe move there in a year and teach English and I'm going to eat, pray my, eat, pray, love my way through the Mediterranean Aegean Sea. Like, these are things I'm going to
1: do. I love that. I love that you just made that comparison. I love that movie. It's, it's, it's a good
0: movie. It's Thank great. you, Liz Gilbert, for writing an amazing
1: uh, book. book. And then screenplay.
0: Right. And the, yeah. So, um, yes, I was in Greece for two weeks. That was fantastic. I did come home um, and I jumped right back into work. Uh, But we did take a little break off. Thank you to our new listeners, because we definitely got some new followers and new listeners. And X to the Zenial continues to be the miraculous journey that it is. It's so fun. It's a good time, for sure. Uh, We did want to finish up our conversation on attachment quickly. Those of you who were listening and anxiously waiting for us to come back. There is one (laughs) attachment style we did not talk about, um, and that is disorganized
1: disorganized like my desk is right now at work or
0: potentially
1: like how disorganized what are we talking about piles (laughs) talking about garbage bags. well
0: we're talking about someone who maybe loves the idea of a relationship okay but uh you know does this come here go away
1: thing come here now now go go away. away
0: come here, I really like you, I'm going to love on you, I want this so bad, but then gets really scared, kind of like the anxious avoidant, Okay. and then pushes the other person away because they've got their own traumas, they've got uh, maybe they were, their parents weren't good at relationships, so they don't know how to attach in an appropriate way.
1: Oh, okay. So it's not just that they're like so chaotic in their mind that they're so and so disorganized throughout their life that they like can't manage to organize themselves to have a relationship. It's more that it's like an internal disorganization. Okay, gotcha. Emotional disorganization with leading to dysregulation in relationships. Absolutely. Got it.
0: Um, And so that happens, obviously, like I said, with trauma, with uh, shitty relationships prior, other things that have happened that maybe trigger them into feeling overwhelmed if something is going well or if somebody's getting close. And so then they do the go-away thing. So they...
1: this self-sabotagers.
0: 100%. We're
1: talking about self-sabotagers. Not the bored one. Not people who just get bored in the relationship.
0: Right. No, they're people who definitely feel triggered and overwhelmed in a relationship that could be going well because they have the anticipation that something will not continue to go well so then they're gonna push people away they're gonna cheat they're gonna you know have fighting behaviors mostly based in anxiety yeah so these are things that uh, can look really uncomfortable and feel really triggering for the other person who maybe wants a secure attachment Um, it could also have to do with their self-esteem right so Mm -hmm. if, if somebody really great likes them and they want that that would be really cool Uh, And then they start to feel insecure or they start to feel overwhelmed, then they're going to push that person away. They're going to probably suspend communication. They're going to maybe say shitty things uh, to push the other person away. And that's going to be that, come here, I really like you, I want you, and then go away.
1: Oh my gosh! I've dated that in the past. Yeah, we all have. It's kind of
0: gross. We've That's also- the first time
1: I got ghosted. Yeah, oh! It was my first ghosting. Because <laughs> they liked me. So exciting. Yeah, I didn't know this. I stayed in like contact. Like I don't understand. Like we went on a date and it was great. Yeah. I even put out. And then we went on another date and yeah. I put out again. And because yeah, it was, it. I was like we're vibing like your house is disgusting trash garbage dirty but i'm vibing with you man like i'm digging you cool i'm not even judging your house um and then asked to go out again and we were supposed to go out again and they didn't feel good and i was like okay cool your sickness happens right like you you get better sure so we can bang it out again and then um yeah then it was I sent a text a few days later, like, how are you feeling? You're yeah. doing good. You know, checking in. Wellness check, you know, how are you doing? Nothing. And I was like, wow. Like he... actual
0: crickets happened?
1: Yeah, like nothing. I was like, wow, he might have died. And, uh, and this is pre-pandemic. So, yeah. you know, I wasn't even like thinking real COVID or anything like that. I was just like, wow, maybe something's wrong nothing 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 for like days and i was like all right i love lost men or he's dead i'm not really sure i hope the best i hope it's isle of lost men well it was because then months later yeah i get a hello what the fuck hello can you hear me like and i was just like uh hey what's up fuck face like that was i thought you died like what's going on yeah so anyways then it was explained to me that he just freaked out, got scared and shut the fuck down and I was like that's cool and I'm oh, it's awesome you recognized, identified yeah. that's what you did. I don't deserve to be treated that way. Fair. You have a good one, bro. I love
0: that. Yeah,
1: no, I don't I didn't engage no. in like any kind of anything after that. I was like, "Oh, wow, I've been on that roller coaster. Yeah. I know how that one ends." I don't like it. What
0: I love is that you had empathy and compassion. Mm -hmm. But you did not attach that to yourself. Right. You were not like, something's wrong with me. This human didn't like me and rejected me for a reason. What you said was, that's his stuff. Yep. And he is going to do that. And I deserve better. And I don't want that in my life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's my attachment style. I'm securely attached to myself. (laughs) Well,
0: and one of the other things that came from our last conversation is... There is a narrative that we tell ourselves once we identify our attachment style. And you and I talked about kind of calling that to ourselves. So I had been saying that I am anxious avoidant. I am anxious avoidant. I am anxious avoidant. After that conversation that we had in the last podcast, I was like, I don't have to identify as that if that's not really what I'm feeling. Right. So I'm going to move forward and call to myself secure attachment i love that you just said that i'm securely attached to myself because i really am right to myself like i am fucking phenomenal um but i started saying that right yeah. about relationships about the people that i'm talking to whatever like i'm securely attached i'm going to go with the positive facts rather than looking at my past history my past trauma right past relationships i'm going to start Really validating where I am and who I am
1: today. Exactly, that's beautiful, and, and I love it. Made a
0: significant difference. It absolutely
1: does. I remember when we were camping up at uh, the lake at Navajo, you kept saying, "I am securely attached," yeah, and I was I'm like, secure. "I'm secure," I'm and I was scared. like, "Fuck yeah, you are!" Right. Because you're secure within yourself. Yes. And that attachment, first and foremost, attachment, attachment theory is all revolves around anxiety, right? Yep. Mental turmoil, and you know that fear of the future, the fear of all the things. Yeah. Until you cannot be fearful of being with yourself yeah. and securely attached to yourself, it will be a challenge. It's not impossible. It will be a challenge to be securely attached to someone until in you sure. internalize do that for yourself.
0: And really it does come to, and you and I talk a lot about like manifesting and using positive language and really being present with where you are in your journey today.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: and so that shifted for me because I'm like, if I keep telling myself that I'm anxious, avoidant, attached, then I will continue to be anxiously and avoidantly attached. Well, you're
1: going to live the narrative that you're giving yourself. Absolutely. So if your narrative is that you, that you are a certain way, then you're going to start to exhibit those traits, features, etc. Because you're telling your cells and your energy and everything within your body and your mind that that's who you is. Right. Exactly. And so So nothing
0: changes if that's where
1: you stay. Exactly. If you stagnate in a place and you keep reinforcing the same ideas and that same internal message Mm -hmm. and narrative and you still you give that value to that asshole in your head who's the loudest voice, then yeah, that's where you will stay. That's where you will live. You will continue to be in that anxiety and you will continue to not have that secure, satisfying attachment that you desire, because people right. do desire. We don't want to necessarily be no. alone. We're very, like, community creatures. Sure,
0: we all often seek connection and connectivity. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that we had talked about, you know, kind of before we came on the podcast when we were doing a check-in, um, is that where we are in our lives right now isn't maybe the most traditional relationship place.
1: Exactly. So I've recently become singled.
0: Congratulations. Thank
1: you. I'm singling up and having to think about how my move-on plan will work. Okay. I am going to continue to be securely attached to myself. I love that. Yep. And reinforce positive and all the things. And I'm going to be in a building capacity right now. So I've set some goals, which are great. So, So I've set some personal goals for health. I've set some personal goals for my career. And I've set some personal goals for my vagina. Okay,
0: I love that, that your lady is on the list of
1: goals. She's on the list of goals. Okay. So, because it has to be. My sexuality and my dating is on the list, right? It's not necessarily all about the vagina, but come on, we all know what we're after. Well, let's
0: back that train up just a little bit. Um, Obviously, this podcast was kind of born in uh, you and I having conversations. Yep. Right? Because we're funny and we're insightful and all the things. Um, but one of the themes that we have talked about, certainly in the podcast and before, is uh, non-sexual partners.
1: My, uh, what What was the term? Heterosexual life partners.
0: Yes, but they're non-sexual partners yes. in that we are not getting our...
1: Heterosexual, sexual... non-sexual life partners. Oop. That's a lot.
0: Uh, it is, and it is not just a theme in our communication, but... Right. In, in female uh, clients and certainly female friendships, people are getting together and um, not having satisfying sexual affectionate connectivity with their partner. Right. Which is a weird thing. Right. And it's one of those things that is unsatisfying. Right. Because if that's a thing that we want and we're not getting it, then what do we do
1: with it? Right. How do you manage that relationship without the sexual and physical intimacy? How do you how do you manage it without getting those physical needs met? And this is a conversation that I've had with lots of my female friends, lots of females in the community in fact that yeah, no, my partner doesn't initiate sex with me, my partner doesn't initiate dates with me, my partner just doesn't make me feel sexy. Right
0: or desired right or wanted or um attractive and obviously securely attached to ourselves we go out we're badass bitches like just in the world um you know we're successful financially we are good at business we have strong friendships we are able to do all of those things but I think there's there's two things. One, society tells us that we have to be sexy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then we are reinforcing that with each other of like, yeah, that the, that outfit looks great, or right. you know, I love that way well, you did your makeup today, or whatever. Right. Um. But if our partner, the person that we're choosing to be with, does not reinforce those ideas, then yes, that creates
1: doubt. Right. When you get more cat calls off the street, walking from your car to the grocery. Store front. Sure. Then you get in a month from your partner of compliments even. And that's gonna fuck
0: with your head.
1: It's gonna fuck with your head. It's gonna fuck with your self-esteem. It's gonna fuck with your self-worth and it's doing that because that's something you can't fix for yourself. That's an extent ex- outside eccentric. I can't say it. I just speech impedimented on you guys. I'm not gonna use that word because I can't. Okay. My mouth won't form the word.
0: I don't know what you are trying for. I'm gonna have to see. It's an external
1: validation. It's an external validation, and you know when you're not getting that external validation, and and it's a need. It really is a need, and men need it too. Absolutely, everyone needs to feel sexy and physically attractive. To, it, to their partner, yep. right? That's part of physical intimacy. That's 50% of a relationship. The other parts, your friendship and all the communication and all the good feels and stuff.
0: Right. But intimacy is a big part of feeling connected. So mm-hmm. it's that connectivity. Um, and I can tell you that working with couples, a lot of times when that, and it, it'll, it'll ebb and flow throughout the life of a relationship, but if it's not constantly being worked on, or at least on the list of priorities, right. then there will be challenges and there will be problems.
1: Right. Because then you have unmet need and with unmet need becomes resentment. And when you have resentment, then you have hate. And when you have well, you, hate, you, you more just space. space. Exactly.
0: Right. And so you had talked about a friend of yours mentioning that there, within the different relationships of our life and lifetime. Um, you know, we get our needs met in different places. So our friendship need is being able to be vulnerable, being able to be connected, being able to be seen and heard in all of those ways, uh, but you're not fucking your friends, or it's probably not a good idea. Um, familial relationships, we're getting those kind of history, um, you know, genetic validation, you know...
1: Love, love. Love. Absolutely. Support, communication, friendship. Yes. Friendship is embedded, in, embedded into your family. You're friends with your family when you're an adult.
0: If, if you are in if a you good are. Place, you're with right. your family, but... Those needs are also, you know, kind of parsed out through those kinds of relationships. But when we look at intimate partner relationships, what we are wanting to get is that intimacy. Yeah. We are wanting to get that physical validation. And that's not always like sexual, but that's a big part of
1: it. But it could be intimacy is holding hands. Intimacy is cuddling. Yes. Intimacy is...
0: It's butt touches and forehead kisses. There
1: you go. Right.
0: And if you're not getting those things from your intimate partner, then that's a challenge. And it poses a challenge to the longevity and success of the relationship.
1: Absolutely.
0: So what I heard you say is like when we are in relationship, those are things we want. If those needs are not being met, then how do we switch it up to be able to get those needs met?
1: So what are our options and opportunities? Well, you could start with a lot of, you could start with conversation sure. from your partner. It's a hard conversation to have, right? They say it's actually in like in the top five most difficult conversations to have with a partner. I think it's like money, sex, children. Kids. I don't know. There's yeah. De- yeah, there's like five top big ones and sex is in it. And I think it's like number one. Um, because it's hard to talk to somebody that you love and you care about about your needs. First and foremost, just talking about your needs can be just a challenge to in some needs p- in sure. general. Okay? And now you're talking about something very intimate and close that involves your genitals. Yeah. And their genitals. Well, and
0: it's a, it's a vulnerability place too because, you know, I think in the beginning of a relationship and certainly in the in the initial phases, there's a lot of passion Mm -hmm. because we want to spend a a lot of time with that person we want to be touching them we want to be having the sex with their bodies like all the things which releases a lot of endorphins that oxytocin I've talked about it in the past I am certainly an addict of oxytocin I love the pair bonding hormone yeah but it does waver after a while uh, especially when we get into the minutia of you know we have this meeting we have this thing with your parents we have this holiday thing we have you know xyz and then, and then we have kids like that's another op- opportunity for it to dip right um because then your partner does not hold that space of most important right when we have children or, you know, sick parents or whatever, then, you know, your, your partner's going to fall down in rank. Right. And you're not going to make as much effort to connect physically. You're not going to make as much effort to go on those dates. You know, cuddling then becomes fifth or seventh thing on the
1: list. Yeah. Or right. in some cases, because there are tons of sexless marriages and tons of sexless relationships where it becomes, you know, 45th, 99th on that list.
0: Right. And for some people, that's fine.
1: Exactly.
0: But it's not fine overall and certainly not for us. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so I have definitely talked about the fact that I had an open marriage. Yeah. Um, by year four, I was just like, I- I'm going to cheat. I know this about me. Um, because I do like to feel validated and attentive, attended to and sexy. And there are lots of other people that want to do that with and to my body. Yep. So I had a conversation with my husband at the time and said, I'm going to give you the choice my mom didn't have. Because in traditional uh, patriarchal specific to my, you know, nationality, Latino relationships, men do what the fuck they want and women stay at home and take care of kids and make tortillas. Yep. And I was not going to do that, but my dad never said that thing out loud to my mother. Right. Did not give her a choice. So I did give my husband a choice. We can stay in this and I have sex with other people or, uh, then we, we break up and, and that's okay too. Right. Uh, but you get a choice. Which is great. It is. And he he did make the choice, and and the choice came with two caveats. Uh, Don't fall in love and don't get cooties. Never got the cooties. Didn't fall in love until the end. There you go. So, you have been thinking about non-monogamy
1: yeah i've actually thought about non-monogamy since my divorce though i because i'm a serial monogamist like traditionally that's just how your brain it's leads. just how i am these are the examples in which i was set in life so sure. my mom would get divorced and then she'd get remarried and then she was with that person for a long time and then they get divorced and then she get remarried and she was with that person for a long time and then they get divorced and then she get remarried and then she was with that person so
0: how many times did that happen four times okay so but that was the
1: model for you that's the model plus you know that I grew up in a very small town mm-hmm. lots of people married there's high school sweethearts mm-hmm. you know lots of this very, tradi- very tradition very traditional. I grew up in a very small town traditional environment yes and uh so I didn't have a lot of exposure and then like the internet wasn't a thing growing up anyway so kind of was but kind of wasn't um, not definitely the way this thing not now. Not like it is now, for sure. Right. So, yeah, those are the models that I was set, and, you know, in the narrative that I was taught was, you, you know, you graduate high school, you go to college, you meet a man, you get married, you have a house, and then you have some babies, and you just have this monogamous life. Sure. Right? And so I was also not a very sexual kid, like, bloomer-wise. I mean, like, I masturbated and had sex as a high schooler, but... Like, I just wasn't, and then when it came to dating, I was very insecure okay. for my whole life, up until my early 30s. Very insecure about how I looked and how I felt. I wasn't securely attached to myself. Yeah. And so, because of that, I was like, well, I have these attachments. Well, that, a lot of that changed when I severed an 11-year attachment yep. through divorce. And after that divorce, I was like, wow, I don't want to be in this cycle again. Like, yeah. you know, like, I don't want to be locked down like this and not have my needs met again. So that was, like, part of the healing and identification. But it was then that I thought about non-monogamy. Okay. But then I proceeded, like, you know, to get in a year-long relationship. <laughs> and then, you know, and then I got into, like, a two-year-long. I just got finished with a two-year-long relationship. And okay. I'm like, wow, like... Like, what are the themes of my life? Because I like to reflect. Sure. And I date or something. I don't know. I have the same problem in every single long term monogamous relationship I've had. And that is the continuance of physical intimacy or the lack of. Yeah, them continuing yeah. it. And so on their end. Yeah. Though. So, you know, I'm over here, like, let me touch you, love you, rub on you, and all these things until I acknowledge and come to this tipping point of like, my partner's not doing these things to me. Yeah. And then I start to feel bad about myself because yep. so I'm like, oh, I know I've like put on, you know, 10 pounds of like love weight, but you're the one who keeps giving me ice cream, you know, but so and I've put this on myself. So now that I'm recently single and having to think about my dating future and how that will look in relationships and what kind of relationships I want, though my relation, my last relationship was an excellent relationship. It just wasn't. There were a
0: lot of needs that were met, but this is a big one that wasn't.
1: But this is a big one that wasn't. And that is important. And that happened in my 11-year relationship. That happened in my one-year relationship. That happened in my, you know, it has happened in every long term. Even I'm, I have relationship examples prior to my marriage too, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah, no, I'm thinking I'm not really, it's hard to because you're right, the relationship starts out very hot and heavy and that hormonally driven, but then, you know, I coined the phrase the default setting, you right. know, after about six to nine months, that's a long time, that's a long investment of time. I really have seen the real person, that default setting of who that person is once the hormones are gone and all the things, the chem- chemicals have settled down. I, you know, I see that it, physical intimacy taper off immediately. Right. Like, immediately. It's the first thing I notice. Yeah. And it just, it's almost as though it just, it just comes to a screeching halt. Right. I don't want that. No. In a relationship, I want a best friend companion and I, and I want, I want a fuck body. Like a like, sexual partner. Yes. Yeah. That's my person. That's and fair. so, and I think with monogamy too, I think I've just leaned in towards monogamy so long too because I was, grew up in the eighth generation. Yeah. You know, sex equals death. So, which I know that's not true anymore. But, right. you know, that was but that, that part is of message that. message
0: that was that was definitely imparted to us in our sexual education. Yes. Was that having multiple partners increases the risk. And those things are true of contracting an STI or HIV or whatever. Obviously, there's a lot of ways around that if you're using uh, Protection. condoms and having protective sex and whatever. Uh, but I think the other thing is, and this is just my own perspective but as we have evolved as independent women and we don't have the same needs to depend on a partner right to provide for us financially then yeah our our um the perspective of what we need shifts and changes
1: that's correct like i you're absolutely wow you did you hit a strong point there because i i don't need a i don't need a husband because i i feel this way this is how i feel these are my thoughts my where my head is at but it's
0: also your reality but it's
1: also my reality i don't need a husband to provide for me i provide for myself right you own your own home. i own my own home You make your own money i have my own money you don't i have my education i i don't i don't i don't need financial resources care no i also don't need child care no because i don't have a child and i don't care to have one right um, or several I just don't care to have them and so having that in place so I don't need a partner for their financial resources I don't need a partner for child rearing resources nope. I need a partner for companionship and friendship and kindness and care and concern but also again for that physical intimacy that I right. cannot get from my friends right. and that I cannot get from my family
0: because it's illegal
1: well, Just yeah. Kidding. There's that. <laughs>
0: but but I, I think that's that's a big thing that we keep running up against mm-hmm. as independent women, as financial providers for ourselves. And I I don't know how much that plays into than men not feeling physically. You know, I don't know if it's not. I don't know. that I honestly don't know if it's that they don't find us physically attractive. Because what we do find is that there are men who find us physically attractive. Yeah. There are men who are, like, shocked when we tell them we've had unsatisfying intimate relationships with people where they're like, what? They didn't want to fuck you.
1: I am mortified your ex-boyfriend didn't want to put his penis in you every day. Right. But then they turn out six to nine months later doing the same shit. So I don't get it. It's... it's hard
0: hard not to personalize it it is not to to say there must be something wrong with me um because i can tell you that at every shape and size that i've ever been i haven't had a problem getting laid right and i and we know and i have talked about it on the podcast i'm a very sexual person yes you like i don't have any hang-ups about sex at all um but i do recognize that and and it's hard not to say oh well they're intimidated by me or they're whatever because they have never had to provide for me I I don't need them to do that right I don't need any of those things Um, so it is hard to to kind of not personalize it so do you think that if if we don't need them for those kinds of financial securities and all those things I mean, we, we default to thinking that they're intimidated. Do you... What is? Your, what are your
1: thoughts? I don't think so. Because if they're already in a relationship with you, they're not, clearly not intimidated by you. I mean, they probably heard you fart already or do something gross and bodily <laughs> anyway. Like you peed with the door open, which I do. Yeah, or queefed, or who the fuck knows. Right? You've probably been a human being in front of them, so they're not intimidated by you by the time that there comes to that point in the relationship where that intimacy level drops. Like, I can't really... with confidence say that I feel it's an intimidation maybe at the initial beginning I mean I I, but us as women you have to look at it this way we don't I don't meet a man and he's like I got a master's I got a house I got a kick-ass dog and I got a really big truck that's paid off I'm not intimidated by that I'm like great you're responsible that's awesome like cool we're on the same page yeah you clearly have not been to jail 500 times I, I feel like safe with you Right, You know, maybe. Maybe that's just false security, but I don't know. It seems like you've got your shit together.
0: But I also think that when you're securely attached to yourself, when you go, I'm going to show up with all of these things, I know what I bring to the table, then yes, you should probably want, want to fuck me.
1: Right. So like, so I don't know that it's an, but what I'm saying is I don't think it's an intimidation thing because when they meet you, they start to date you, then they really start to get to know you. But then you see that default setting, which is that decline of whatever, you know, the genuine real person in this case, we're talking about the physical intimacy aspects. By the time you get to that point, y'all know each other well enough to not be intimidated by the other person. And if you are intimidated by your partner and you deny them sex, that's, like, on you. You need right. to say something to your partner and be like, sorry, I can't put my D in you because you're just more financially secure than I am. And it makes my penis shrivel up and die. Ugh. But that's not what the problem is. That's well, not I, what it is. To
0: be fair, though, I mean, I'm, I'm devil's advocating to, to yeah. a degree. Yeah. But I think like certainly there's there's an anxiety piece right so if they're like worried about their job or they're worried about their mom who's sick or i mean that that has a, a piece in it yeah stress right? if kills they're it. dealing with their own stuff and and that's totally understandable to a degree if it persists for several months and you know i get it you're launching a business i get it you know you're you're bit nervous about a promotion you're, you know, in the middle of a master's program or whatever. Right. Okay. But the the long-term persistence of not being intimate, not being sexual, not being affectionate, those are things that you and I have come across to the point that it's like, well, then what the fuck am I here for? Because I don't want a roommate. I don't want to be in a monogamous relationship with someone who isn't, emotionally and physically present for me
1: exactly
0: so then we're back to non-monogamy
1: non-monogamy
0: okay so So i have had the team approach yes which is having up to four or five partners in a long-term period not all at the same time whenever i tell other people about the team approach they're like you had five people in your vagina at a time No, not at a time.
1: Um, (laughs) It's not how this works, people.
0: Well, and I I like professional, um, intelligent men, and those men tend to be busy. So I'm talking like once every two weeks, I would call up a team member and be like, hey, do you have time? Or I'd put the group call out to be like, hey, who's available, (laughs) right? And generally, because I am a very honest person, I would say that to them. So how do you envision non-monogamy or ethical non-monogamy for yourself? Or is it a poly situation?
1: I don't know. See, I don't know what all these things mean. Like, we've got all sorts of words zinging all over the place. We have poly, we have non-monogamy, which means non-monogamous, right? right? But then we also have, like, ethical non-monogamy. So, so I think, I, for me, ethical thing.
0: non-monogamy is just being honest about the non-monogamy piece. Gotcha. Um, whereas, like, a poly can be more of a, an intimate connection with multiple people. Everybody's aware of you know what we're doing Uh, sometimes we play together sometimes we don't for some people there's a primary partner and then secondary and tertiary partners uh, where they do fun things together that aren't just sexy but you know you're gonna have it's kind of like a big love situation maybe you don't all live on a compound but um so when as as you are conceptualizing this uh kind of looking at do you want to have a primary partner and then have be able to have sex with other
1: people no because once I lock it down then that's my person I don't even check out really other people I mean I do but I don't sure like I don't check them out and then like quote fall in love where you're like oh look at that guy He's so hot I'm gonna think about you later it's okay. not like that when I'm with someone when I'm in a relationship when we have like locked it down in any sense even if we're like yeah it's an open relationship I'm sure I'd be like I can't do that because I feel bad because I feel like I'm cheating on you Right? See, for me, I look at it more as, like, I just want to date. I don't want, to like, a label, and if you're dating other people, cool, and I'll be dating other people, cool, and then we'll keep seeing each other, and that's cool. Okay. Build this slowly over a long time. It's, like, a good crescendo. It's, like, when the volume slowly rises at a nice pace.
0: Well, the other thing to consider, and and you and I have talked about this, too, is now that we have established that, you know, we have our own... Houses and we have our own space and all the things. I know that for me, I don't want to do traditional girlfriend things. Yeah. I want to be able to make you dinner, and I may or may not want you to spend the night once a week or sometimes. But I don't want to cohabitate with another person.
1: Yeah, I've been that way. Even with my last partner, we had an agreement that even, even though we were long-term relationshiping, we weren't going to cohabitate. So
0: the crescendo was not going to end in like marriage, cohabitating, we pay bills together. No. Interesting.
1: Mm-mm.
0: Okay.
1: I don't want to cohabitate with a male. Okay. I just don't want to. I did it. I've done it. I did it a lot. Okay. I don't like it because my default setting in a relationship of that nature where we cohabitate is made. Oh. Yeah, that's my default setting. So
0: you turn into a caretaker.
1: I'm just taking care of everything. You want me to wipe your ass? I'll do that. Gross. <laughs> it's <Okay>. caretaking.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, that's that's a good thing to know about yourself. Absolutely. That your default setting is, um, you know, if you are in a cohabitating relationship, then you turn into a caretaker. Yeah. And that's not actually
1: sexy. And it's not fun for me and I don't enjoy it. So you build
0: some resentment. Maybe you yeah. some space. and so then yeah. you don't.
1: So then I don't continue to securely attach to my partner because I'm like, well, I'm over here working a full-time job and I'm a full-time housemaid and I'm a full-time chef and I'm a full-time, I'm exhausted. Okay. So but still, I, I... yet again, if initiated with sex, though, I will do the hell out of that. I don't care how tired I am. But I do get very, like, resent And I don't enjoy, I don't enjoy living with other people. So
0: then do you think that if, if you were in a relationship where you were getting the majority of your needs met, including intimacy and affection, you would stay in that, or there would be incentive to stay longer? Yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: But why lock it down if you haven't really realized, so my angle that I'm coming at this from is why would you lock it down unless until you really, really know a person? Why wouldn't you just continue to date and be like, okay, we're just going to continue dating and maybe I'll continue to see other people every great once in a while because I'm not sure about where this leads. See, the whole thing for me is a very discombodulating, overthinking, analyzing, like sure. – System. And that's why I'm glad we're having this like conversation and we're doing it externally because this is the chaos that lives in my head.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I've, I've thought about it too because I, you know, having been in the open marriage, there's a part of me that wants the consistent intimacy with one person. That being said...
1: That stability.
0: Right. So, but I create the stability for myself. Mm-hmm. Being securely attached to me, knowing that I make my own money... All of the, you know, everything the light touches is mine. Like, that feels really good. And so when I think about then locking it down, like what you talk about with, like, one person, it seems like a good idea. But then my brain goes, yeah, but what if the sex dries up? Or, you know, what if they want me to go to Christmas? I don't do Christmas. Right. You know, I don't necessarily want to go to all of your stuff. I would like to be invited, but I also would like to have the option to decline.
1: Without resentment. (laughs) So if
0: if Christmas is important to you and your family, dope, I will maybe go for a small amount of time, but I also will probably take my own car and and I'm going to want to dip out and I need you to be okay with that. Right. You know, and if I'm also, you know, have an opportunity to hook up with a friend of mine because that's what we do, then I'm going to need you to be okay with that.
1: Right.
0: So that that for me is where I'm conceptualizing what relationships are going to look like in the future. Um, because i d- also girlfriend. Like I will, I'm going to buy you gifts. I'm going to take care of you. If you're sick, I want to take you Gatorade and yep. snacks. And I want to make sure that I'm supporting you. If you're, you know, going to school or working or whatever, I want to make sure that you have your needs met because that's who I am. But if you're not meeting my needs, then how
1: is this an equitable Exchange. Yes. How is this an equitable exchange? So if we look at, if we can take away emotion from a relationship and look at it as a business exchange, then the, the economy that we're talking about that we're exchanging is physical intimacy. Right. And that's where, and that is the most priority. It's not the money. No it's not we don't need that. it's not the education, it's not the house it's not the it's not the materialistic items right it's not the doing for and doing nice things for it's no. always these roads always and the again, what we've talked about but also too what we've talked about with the female community is that all roads are leading to this disconnect and disjointment of physical intimacy, yeah, but why?
0: Well, the why is the conundrum we've been coming up against for a while?
1: I know. It's like banging my head on a wall. (laughs) We maybe need to
0: invite some dudes to the conversation.
1: Anybody want to come on the podcast? Explain this to us. If you've been in a relationship. No, seriously. If you're a male and you've been in a relationship and from this dialogue, you've heard what we said and you all of a sudden have an aha moment. like We would (gasps) love to have your insight. I would love to have your insight because I don't understand and I would love to just understand and be able then to accept that maybe this is just how life is.
0: well and I think we're we're evolving to that place because all of the things that maybe facilitated and created the need for monogamous long-term commitment are no longer factors you know because cheating is still a thing that happens regularly and uh, divorce is still a thing that happens regularly and so somewhere in the fabric of creating connectivity, we are having missteps. We are not able to create that. Now I can tell you that before, when I formerly was anxious avoidant, it was a lot easier to have meaningless and you know, uh, unimportant sex with people just to get the need met the itch scratched if you will right um, now I'm, I am in a place to be vulnerable to be securely attached to want those kinds of things also that being said, I'm not a jealous person right. because I'm securely attached to me I know what I bring to the table so if you, if you want to be with somebody else, that's fine, but I would much prefer that we have an honest conversation
1: about it. Right. Me, yeah. Well, cause you can't have a relationship with somebody if you have that open communication. There's no relationship really right. then. Um, when you were speaking, religion popped into my mind. Okay. And I believe that the reason that we pair, pair bond, not only because this is not necessarily a naturally occurring thing in nature, no. to be honest, um, like long-term, like long monogamous, monogamous right. right. It's not, it's not a natural thing. This is part of a cultural fabric of brought in through Christianity and Christian-based religions and faiths, yeah. um, you know, and, and part of those faiths, it was for health and wellness. If you look at the old Testament or, um, it will be, there's sayings and it was to prevent monogamy was encouraged and marriage was encouraged because of the teachings of God, right? You know, he said, thy shall lay with their person, and be call him wife or whatever, and then um, come on, I'm reaching for Sunday school days. Okay, I was a child, um, but then the other portions of it, there in the Old Testament, it's about health and hygiene and safety and not transmitting disease. Well,
0: I think that's that was part of the moral lesson, um, because it then came down to a financial reason, right? So right. one man does not want to have to provide for multiple men's children. Right. Now in a more polytheistic or other cultures, that was not the issue because a community raised children. And we all lived as a community. And so the financial and food and shelter resources were shared within a community. Right. That being said, in the more, more traditional communities, there wasn't a need to lock it down.
1: Exactly, because everybody's sharing resources, and uh, resources were equitable, so maybe we can look at this as a part of how our whole culture as a society has changed and shifted, and now we have people that provide, just provide, men and women that just provide for themselves. Right. And so we don't have a decline on religion, but we still are living under these religious values, right, and we still, like, as as a whole... Judge based on those values and and narrate to well. This is what you do. You graduate from high school. You go to college. You meet a man. You get married, and you have the baby. We continue this traditional we narrative. Continue to
0: propagate this misinformed narrative. Yes, because that the other thing is that when you are young, yep. because we both got married in our twenties, mm-hmm. we thought that that was the only way to do it. Now you and I continue to. Create our own financial independence. And and admittedly, and I I always give my ex-husband credit for this, definitely supported me to get to this place.
1: Which is awesome.
0: Absolutely. And then I supported him in getting another degree. But what we've done is we've worked ourselves out of a job. Yep. Yep. And if I'm not getting those other needs met, then I don't need to continue to have your position available.
1: Exactly, I don't need you as an employee because if this is not, if you're not going to complete your job duties and tasks, right, you're not fit for duty for this position. You're not eligible for employment.
0: Right. So the benefits then dry up, and and you. Need so to your four hundred and one k is cut off. Right. <laughs> Which means that then I am uh, searching for another team.
1: So I'm back in the field doing it all over again. So the, again, we continue. It's like a full cycle. Like I'm going in a circle here of, so what do you, what do you do? What does a rational human being And that's where I'm trying to come at this from, also to, you know, freshly out a relationship so I'm not, like, within my norms of my brain.
0: But you are looking at alternative ways to reinvent how you do this so that you can be successful. Exactly. That's the biggest part of giving ourselves the opportunity to increase awareness of what are my needs, how do I meet them, and if what I've done in the past in terms of one partner monogamy doesn't work, then how do I do that differently?
1: How do, exactly. How do I do that differently? But then it's overcoming the schemas and culture and narrative and all the things sure. of 38 years of my entire life, which is like my whole life. Yeah. So I'm like, how do I conceptualize? Like, how does this work? I don't even know how you would have that conversation with another person. And to say like, hi, I don't want to be in an monogamous relationship because I know in six to nine months you're not going to put out, so can we just date? <laughs> until you stop fucking me. Well, I mean,
0: I, mean I, I think that there's, there is a casual way of saying that. Um, I definitely did have a conversation with someone recently that was like, look, I just got out of a marriage and I am in a place to just date. So he set the expectation, right there you go. Out, which I love, that mm-hmm. was perfect to be like, this is where I'm at. This is, you know, my perspective. And I just want to be someone who dates, which then helped me to shift my expectation and be like, don't. I will be fine to do that for right now. And if eventually I want more or I would like to see other people or, you know, somebody else presents a different offer, then I'll do that. There you go. So I do think that there, there that is actually the way without doing that negative spin of like when you don't fuck me, um, but being able to say like this is where that's I'm the at
1: breakup right now. talking. <laughs>
0: so, well that's that's the you know, insecure or avoidant attachment. Right, and so exactly. If we go in securely attached to ourselves and say, Okay, this I heard what you said, I am down to get to know you as a human, spend some time together. I am going to keep my options open. Mm-hmm. and let's see where this goes but i'm not saying that i'm not down i'm just saying that I, this is what i need right and this is where i'm at and this is where i would like to go
1: so setting boundaries yep
0: expectations
1: setting talking and discussing expectations discussing needs or being vulnerable open and honest yep. with another person is your way to like go into these hard ass weird different conversations yeah
0: so that's where we start.
1: This is how we start. Okay. We have a prescription written for you.
0: <laughs> this is also our time. Uh, we are X to the Zennial. The letter X, the number two. T H E X E N N I A L. You can find us at X to the Zennial underscore podcast on Instagram. Uh, Luna X Two LLC on Facebook. Um, and if you would like to come on the podcast, we are in, we want to have conversations. Yeah. And certainly with men about what's going on on their side. Um, that leads us to this place.
1: Because wouldn't it be fascinating if a man said exactly the same thing that our women colony is saying?
0: I mean, that would be awesome.
1: It would be like, but it would, then it would be like, well, then what's going on? Why is there all of a sudden this magnetic force that's pushing people apart in this like time range?
0: Absolutely. So we want to know. So if you want to come on the podcast, reach out to us, and we would love to schedule you. In the meantime, have a great and wonderful
1: life. Day Day evening,
0: evening, morning, cereal, breakfast, pancakes.
1: Noodles, good night. Oh my god, weird. Bye.